Welcome back to Under the Teen Fluence, the show where we give advice to teens based on our past experiences. My name is Leslie, and I'll be your host today. With me, I have Liz, Ginny, and Nicole, and we're the prevention team from NCADD San Fernando Valley. So, welcome back. We're on February, and today we're going to be talking about relational wellness, as well as just, you know, relationships. To start us off, I quickly want to ask y'all, how do you believe the quality of our relationships affect our overall well-being and mental health? I think that all relationships um, affect our mental health and our well-being. That goes for like your relationships with your parents, uh, your siblings, um, your loved ones in the sense of like if you have like a, a partner or your friends in general too because I feel like they play a big role um, on your mental health because if you have a really bad relationship with your parents sometimes that can affect your everyday life without really thinking about it or if like let's say you're just fighting a lot with like your boyfriend or girlfriend that can also kind of sway your day as well so I feel like overall any relationship is really important for your mental to your mental health and then going off of that I think if you have really good relationships with these people your parents your friends your partner you you show it. I think people tend to be like more happier about things. So I think it definitely like plays a a role in your like mood from your day to day based off those relationships, which is why it's important to have really good relationships. I agree. And just to quickly point that out, when we are talking about relationships, not only do we talk about romantic, we also talk about platonic, a relationship with your parents, even your pets, grandparents, or even friends. So keep that in mind. Um, I want to quickly ask, what are some common challenges that um, individuals may face in a relationship in order to maintain that healthy relationship and how can they overcome them if they are having situations? I think trust is a big one. Like yeah. If you don't have trust, how can you really have a healthy relationship? And I think building trust takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And usually once you like lose someone's trust, it's like, that's it. Yeah. And it's hard to build that trust back again. So I think mm-hmm. trust is a really important thing to maintain and build. I agree. Because I feel like once you stop trusting one person, I've noticed that it plays a some role people into, yeah, other, into other, other things. So like maybe with your other relationships, everything's going great. Like with your, I don't know, with your best friend and then you and your boyfriend just don't trust each other. So then if your best friend tells you something, you're like, I don't know, she's even telling the truth anymore because it starts to influence and make you believe that not ev- not everyone's telling you the the truth anymore i mean there's a chance they'll believe you know your best friend but i have seen where people get affected by like once they stop trusting one person it kind of starts reflecting off on other relationships um as well i feel like another challenge is that open communication among individuals whether once again whether this is a parent relationship friends or a romantic most individuals within them don't really have that open communication or they feel comfortable to really talk to that partner and to be like really express themselves and so forth so I feel like one way that they can overcome that is just really try to have that open communication when you're speaking with that other individuals try not to interrupt them try not to like um what's the word I'm looking for invalid anything that they are trying to say just really like listen to them and try to take on their perspective as well Mm -hmm. um I think another common challenge that some couples may face is like figuring out boundaries with each other because you don't want to like overstep and I think that goes with like to trust too like if you overstep then it's like how are you gonna um figure out like how to maintain 
a healthy relationship with them. That's, that's a good, actually a good one. Yeah, boundaries. That's true. Actually, and boundaries with anyone. Like yeah, boundaries any with friends. friends. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things get not talked about in the beginning of any relationship, and then like years go by, and you're like, I didn't even know that you would do something like this. And it's <laughs> like I feel like if some things should be discussed in the beginning of any relationship, even if it's not. You're not like, oh, even let's say romantic, right? Even if long term, you don't you don't know if this person's going to be your person, right? But you should still talk about things just in case. How do you think couples or once again, individuals can navigate conflicts and disagreements in a healthy and a constructive manner? By listening. <laughs> By practicing <laughs> active listening. Yes. Um, always listen to the person. Don't talk over someone else. Um, take a breather, pause for a second, relax, walk away from the situation if needed, and then come back to discuss things as adults. Because I think we're all adults and we should act <laughs> our age. <laughs> and if you're young, you should take an adult advice. <laughs> yes, or go seek advice. Yes, that's another thing too. And it helps to just talk it out. And don't let like a problem fester and like let it, you know, sit with it for a few days because sometimes that might make it worse. Um, but I think open communication too. You know, being able to just express that you have, you know, that you disagree with the other person. So I want to switch gears into substance use. As we all know, substance use is not only bad for teens' physical health and mental health, but it can also impact their relationships with others. In fact, it's one of the most top risk factors in teen dating violence. And what we mean by violence, this means usually physical or emotionally. So as we all know as well, teens start experimenting with substances usually around middle school and high school, whether it's um, experimenting vaping for the first time or using marijuana. I want to ask y'all, what are some common scenarios where drugs may be introduced into dating situations? Um, I feel like sometimes maybe, um, maybe there's a good girl that really likes a guy and the guy just happens to be using drugs. Sometimes people believe in general. And I think I used to believe this when I was younger, like I'm talking about middle school days. And I used to think that you can change somebody. And I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that always happens, you know, because you care about the person, you know, you want them to stop. And I feel like that sometimes plays a role in probably relationships ending or not continuing because maybe they choose to continue using substances and, you don't want to be with someone who uses them. So you constantly think like, oh, maybe if I date them, maybe there's a chance that I can change their minds and fix them. And sometimes you really can't. Like it's really up to the individual to want to be, to choose to, I want to say fix. There's nothing wrong with them, but chooses to finally decide like, okay, maybe it is time for me to stop using substances. So I used to think like, because I remember when I was younger in middle school and I did date someone who was using substances and I was one of those people that thought I can change them. And honestly, I obviously couldn't. And they still were continuing to use substances, which is okay. Like that's as long as I don't get affected by it, um, that's what matters. Like I didn't go out of my way and start using with them just because they were using, like I completely avoided it and I completely avoided the individual because even though I tried, it didn't work. So that's something you can do just end the relationship or if they don't want help, like maybe, I don't know ask a friend to help them because sometimes you could ask their best friends and maybe, you know, you still will care about them. You want to help them in any way you can. That's my advice. At least based off my, when I was like in middle school though. So a long time ago. But there are also people who, because their partner is using the peer pressure gets to them. And then the boyfriend, girlfriend would be like, Hey, maybe you should try it. And then 
you know, because they're in a relationship, they want to make the other person happy, they might say yes. So I'm glad you were strong, Ginny, and did not succumb to the peer pressure. <laughs> but we know that this exists. It does. Um, and sometimes that is a, a reason why um, some people might use together in a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then it ends up just spiraling down after there. So no, you're right. Yeah, yes. I've seen that. So thank you, um, Liz and Ginny. And to add on with Liz, um, according to the National Center of Drug Abuse Statistics, so actually women are most likely to do drugs with an intimate partner, whereas men are most likely to do drugs with other male friends. So once again, it kind of leads into that peer pressure or not wanting to let down your partner just because like um, you don't want you don't want them to break up with you in yeah. worst mm -hmm. case scenarios, right? All right. So my next question for y'all, how does substance abuse affect communication, trust and intimacy within relationships? Yeah. So drug addiction often leads to lost trust. You know, it's not uncommon for an addicted individual to engage in secretive behavior and lie about their drug use. You know, lying, stealing and general dishonesty can make both partners feel a widening gap between them. And a lack of trust can lead to anger, resentment, jealousy and fear, which will also play into those relationship dynamics. Thank you for that, Liz. So drug addiction can also make it difficult to experience intimacy in a relationship as people who battle with addiction sometimes struggle to enjoy like healthy intimacy with their relationships. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like that's usually um, what causes people to start cheating as they are experimenting with substances. And once again, that lack of communication, trust and intimacy is not there. So they try to find it for some someplace else as mm -hmm. well. Or sometimes I've seen where people, not seen it, but I've heard people say that because their relationship is not going well and they want to find like that feeling of like love or like that feeling of trust. I've heard that people actually go to substances because their partner is not even giving them that feeling anymore. So sometimes they think maybe instead of cheating, they're like, okay, I have to find it somewhere else. And I've heard people do use drugs in order to Instead of cheat, they think that's like another way to cope with what they're going through in their relationship. Because sometimes people do tend to cheat or uh, not like cheat physically. Sometimes you cheat emotionally with a person. But I have heard that people sometimes use drugs to find a different route instead of cheating, which is still a bad thing. Obviously, you don't want to use drugs. But I've heard that does happen, which then causes relationships to, you know, fall or apart something. because then that other person ends up realizing what you're using substances and then it just becomes a whole other thing you know and then now they're looking for you know resources for their partners yes so with that being said what resources are available for individuals who are dating someone with a substance abuse problem so yeah there are actually many different treatments available that can be effective in reducing or eliminating problems with alcohol or other drugs. So if your partner has a problem with drugs or alcohol, getting them to enter treatment may, may be one of the best things you can do for them and your relationship. Uh, many treatments for individuals who have a problem with that um, will sometimes include the partner in some way. And research from the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy has been shown that involving partners in the treatment can be very uh, important in helping the treatment succeed. So there is research to prove that. Nice. People can come to NCDD for anyone who's 18 and up. Um, there's Tarzan the Treatment, treatment Centers mm -hmm. that also is focused on youth. And then there also is Phoenix House yeah. as well that works with um, substance misuse. But yeah, a lot of uh, treatment services will tend to uh, involve the family as well. The person who's uh, seeking treatment. So, you know, it's definitely a thing. Mm -hmm. They yeah, won't be yeah. able 
And keep in mind that you are not alone. If you, this is just your partner, doesn't mean like you can always count on other family members, friends to help you because you, as the individual who is having the partner with a substance use, you are also kind of um, dealing with your own emotional stress and so forth like that. So keep in mind you are not alone and there is other help for you as well. So in relationships, there are always ups and downs. And while there are healthy coping mechanisms to engage in, there are also unhealthy mechanisms that we should really try to avoid. So what are some examples of those that you all have seen or maybe even experienced from another partner? So I have here smoking, vaping, drinking, lying, cheating, <laughs> just violence, being violent towards someone. others, doing in that problem and not getting the help are probably some unhealthy coping mechanisms. When you're in a bad relationship. Yeah, Liz, you named a lot of them. Honestly, I think you did real good on that. So everybody, avoid what she just said. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> just named a list so long. I wrote them all day. You did. It was good, though. I think she, she answered it. She, she answered it. So we're okay. Some other unhealthy coping mechanisms um, can include avoidance, passive aggressiveness, these behaviors can usually lead to a miscommunication, lack of trust and intimacy within that relationship. So for our last topic, I want to talk about healthy coping mechanism just because there are healthy coping mechanisms in relationships such as, you know, communication, empathy, even setting boundaries, self-care and supporting and seeking support when it is needed. Um, usually these strategies can help partners manage stress, conflicts, and emotional challenges in a very constructive way. Are there any healthy coping mechanisms that you guys take part on right now, whether it's in a romantic or a platonic relationship? Um, maybe just being patient. Um, I feel like sometimes you want to speed things up and you just kind of want someone just to get better, but it's not always like that. The person is trying to get better at their own time. So I feel like just being patient with them and hearing them out and understanding like how they view things and how they feel like they should uh, work on their substance misuse or anything of that sorts. So I would say maybe just being patient, learning how to be patient with the person, because I know it does take time in order for someone to change, you know, their unhealthy habits. Yeah, mine was going to work off of that one, um, like deep breathing and just taking a, a moment to pause and reflect because whenever I get into disagreement with my parents, I need to like hold myself back from saying other things that might, you know, make the situation worse. So, you know, just taking like taking a deep breath and then being like, okay, let's talk about why your view is twisted. <laughs> um, for me, I think it'd be self-care, like making sure you take care of yourself. Because yeah, you're like you're in a relationship, you gotta make sure the other person is also being taken care of, but not like overrun yourself, like not making mm -hmm. sure you're like I, I don't know what the word is, but to make sure that you're taking care of yourself too, like you're putting yourself as a priority and not only them. Yeah, well, I agree. It's kind of has the saying it's like you can't love someone if you can't love yourself. You first. can't love yourself first or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like pretty similar. Yeah. And then going off with what Nicole was saying, engaging in self care practices such as exercise hobbies, relaxation techniques, as Liz was mentioning, the deep breathing, and spending time with friends and family usually helps individuals m manage their stress and maintain their emotional balance. By prioritizing self-care, partners can show up as their best selves in that relationship, you know. 
So as we are ready to sign off on today's episode, just remember those of you who are listening, especially our teens, just remember that relationships, especially in middle and high school, are not the end of the world. If your partner happens to break up with you, just accept it and move on. There's so much more to look forward to in life. And if your partner is pressuring you to do something that you don't want to do, whether it's substances or something else, you do have the right to say no. And please, please please say no. The right person will not disrespect you and always want the best interest for you. So that's it. Um, thank you for listening. Hope to have you guys listen next month. Bye. Bye.